Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, Audrey. Welcome to the show. It's fantastic to have you on. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Well, my name is Audrey Damon Wynn. I live in Wisconsin in the U.S., which is um, in a, it's north central United States, about two hours north of Chicago in Mm -hmm. what, an area that some people refer to as flyover in the United States. Right. But it is actually, Wisconsin is a beautiful place, especially in the summer. And I've been teaching uh, social studies for 20, this is my 25th year. Mm -hmm. I taught in a brick and mortar for 23 um, and just retired from there a couple years ago. Actually, the June before I started working for Crimson, which was last fall, um, I've taught all kinds of social studies classes, but AP Psychology has definitely been one of my favorite, and I've been teaching that for 15 years. I got my bachelor's degree in psychology a few years ago. (laughs) We won't say how many. Um, And my master's degree is actually in social science, Mm -hmm. uh, and I did my dissertation on the self-esteem of sexually abused teenage girls in group home treatment. So I had some background in social services prior to becoming a teacher. And in terms of AP psychology, why is it your one of your favorite subjects to teach? Well, psychology is fascinating, first of all, of course. Um, and it's also really easy to teach because kids love it because mm. they're basically learning a lot about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really opens their eyes, I think, to... Um, to ideas and concepts and self-reflection that they have not had the opportunity to experience before. You know, you know, everybody has math, everyone has history, you know, everyone has biology and those sort of classes, but psychology is very unique in many ways in that it helps us to understand ourselves and, and our friends and our family members. And, um, and so it's very easy to teach, I think is one of the reasons I, I love it so much. Yeah, well, I've always been fascinated by psychology in that it, it seems to straddle the humanities and the sciences in, in a way that is like the study of the mind. Uh, is that the way that you approach the subject? You know, this class is such a, it, it casts such a wide net because it really is, you know, psychology is is very, com- there's so many aspects of it. It's so complex. And this is really a survey course. So it, it, um, it touches on on so many aspects, and so some of it is very sciencey, biological unit. Some of it's physics, which goes right over my head. Um, I struggle with that unit in particular yeah. on sensation and perception. Um, so you know, I just kind of take it as it comes, each sort of block of content on its own, and try to find what's fascinating and interesting about that particular unit and, and helping kids to relate to it because it is there's so much diversity in the curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't have thought that physics would have been a part of it, but there you go. So when you're looking at students coming into AP psychology, what kind of general knowledge or backgrounds do you expect for them to really be able to succeed in the course? 
Well, certainly I, I don't ever expect that they'll have any background knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. again, if, if, you, if you're teaching a history class, everybody's had some history, you know, whether it's world history or a national history. Um, But psychology, generally kids don't have any background knowledge unless they've taken some anatomy courses, uh, that kind of thing. So really it's more about um, having an intrinsic interest in the topic and having the skills that are needed to be successful because it is a pretty fast paced course, um, ton of content that the College Board expects you to memorize and to be able to apply. Um, So it's really more about the type of student than any kind of background knowledge that they'd be able to to bring to it. So I I pretty much think I'm dealing with a blank slate. Right. I'm I'm sure that a proportion of students come in with a understanding of what they think psychology is based on what they see in movies and TV shows and these kind of things like lying on the couch and asking people questions and scribbling down notes and these kinds of things. So uh, how much of your first couple of weeks is trying to help students understand that that's not what the study of psychology (laughs) is necessarily? Like, what's that like for you? What's that challenge like? Well, you know, there is, you're right, there's a lot of mythology out there. And it's not just about people talking on the couch or, you know, misunderstandings about mental illness and, you know, stereotypes about mental illness and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I I don't really spend time trying to knock down their myths um, or their preconceptions. I actually, the course actually starts with kind of one of the most fundamental aspects of the study of psychology, which is to understand that we look at all behavior and mental processes through different lenses. Mm -hmm. And depending on the lens that you look through, you'll interpret the behavior in a different way. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that's really sort of what's at the, the root of, of all of the, of the curriculum is, is, and it's again, one of the most fascinating parts of it because it really requires a lot of critical thinking on the part of the students. And they, they have to really, they're forced to not look at, at behavior through their eyes, but to look at it through these different lenses, um, whether it's through a biological lens or um, a social, social cultural lens or a humanistic lens, um, you know, and each one of those schools of thought, you know, kind of interprets things a little differently. And, and that's what's so exciting about it. And then mm. to help kids understand that really, if you want to understand a person, whether it's yourself or your parent or your boyfriend or your neighbor or whatever, you really have to look at it from all these different perspectives to get the big picture. And human beings are so complex. You know, we're just so complex. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting to kind of look at the applications of psychology outside of the classroom as well, and not only in the conversations that you might have with your, you know, friends and neighbours, et cetera, but also in the workspace and and the future of work. And a lot of like human behavior stuff is coming into, uh, and I think like one of the things that I I see a lot about future of work is that idea that we are probably going to get replaced if the task is robotic and and AI Mm -hmm. related, et cetera, but something Mm -hmm. that is uniquely human can never be really replaced. And psychology seems very well placed to kind of like, you know, stay that course and, and be really uniquely human. So is, do you see students taking different paths after learning psychology 
to like go into a wide range of different fields. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I, I actually tell students that if they're not sure um, what they want to study in college, psychology is actually a great, um, you know, a great way to go because it applies mm -hmm. to everything, right? Whether it's you want to be in the field of psychology or social work, um, or a lot of kids that uh, take AP Psych go into medicine. Um, uh, so it's a great, you know, background for that. But it also applies to the business world, to education. You know, yeah. it's just it's just really, it's, it, it's knowledge that everyone should have, you know. Um, I will say that I, I think a lot of kids, when they take psychology, they fall in love with it. And many of them do pursue it as a major um, uh, after after high school um, but a lot of kids go different ways as well so it, it, yeah. it really it can apply you're right in so many so many different facets and I mean, research and, and research as well yeah oh research my gosh, is yeah. a huge field yeah yeah a yes. lot of people spending time there well I'm interested from your side as a CGA teacher as well it must be interesting from a you know when you're teaching psychology to have students who come from all around the world from all kinds of different backgrounds mm -hmm. and trying to teach concepts that might be familiar to you in Wisconsin but might not yes. be familiar to a student who's in Japan or a student in Australia or New Zealand whatever it might be so what's yes. that like for you teaching psychology to a, a worldwide classroom is that an advantage or is that a hindrance well it's probably both and so I guess a few times where it's been a bit of a disadvantage is our textbook, for example, is written in the U.S. And so they use a lot of metaphors and stories and anecdotes. And of course, they're all very U.S. and Western, right? Mm -hmm. And you forget that sometimes, you know, that um, or, or I'll show a clip from a, a popular um, U.S. TV show, which in, you know, which in the U.S. all the kids get right away and and that doesn't really go over too well with yeah. the kids from other um, other countries. I have some like mnemonic devices that I use, and didn't even think you know that it might not make sense to someone that's not from the U.S. So right. I, I stumbled, you know, I've stumbled here and there with those sort of things. But you know, at the same time, the students can bring their cultural perspectives and their ideas. Um, to the class and, you know, come up with their own mnemonics or, you know, their own anecdotes, their own, um, you know, because again, these are universal concepts. So they obviously apply everywhere. Um, but the particular way that you might make sense of it could, could vary. Well, I, I'm going to guess it must enrich the class in some way, shape or form when you do have all these different inputs and different experiences mm -hmm. from around the world. I mean, that must be very exciting. Like maths is maths wherever you go, but psychology yes. changes you know, yes. based on cultural experience yes. and all these things. So yes. that definitely enriches things. Now, in terms of the how psychology has changed, like when I think of psychology, I generally think of like Sigmund Freud and you know these kind of people who were around 60, 70 years ago or right. more. Right, 100 actually. Yeah, Freud yeah, yeah. 100 yeah. years ago, yeah. Uh, so how much of the AP psychology curriculum looks at the past of psychology and how much of it looks at like the modern day and things that people are going through today? Yeah, it actually does look at all of that. And students have to kind of have an understanding of how it has evolved chronologically. And from, you know, the early, early first lab um, that was, psych, psych lab that was opened in Germany by Wilhelm Wundt, 
I like okay. to say his name, yeah. Wilhelm Wundt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's all you need to know about Wilhelm Wundt. Yes. <laughs> And then to, you know, Sigmund Freud was one of the first that psychoanalytic or psychodynamic perspective is one of the first lenses that um, psychologists tried to understand behavior. And, you know, they have to understand what that perspective is and what the, you know, the, 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 the theories and the, um, you know, there's a lot of vocabulary, um, his crazy ideas about psychosexual development. Um, mm-hmm. They have to understand all that. And they have to even be able to apply it to a situation, but then also understand that really pretty much nobody looks through that lens anymore. There are some things about it that have stood the test of time, um, like some of his defense mechanisms, for example, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, it's one of the one of the topics that's most fascinating to kids is when we study dreaming, sleep and dreaming. And, you know, Freud was the first one to suggest that our dreams have some meaning, some deep, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning to us. And that if we can tap into that, we can, you know, this reservoir, um, then we can learn a lot about ourselves and work out all our issues, right. Mm -hmm. With our parents and whoever else. Um, And it's so interesting because that idea has pretty much been, um, dismissed based on scientific evidence, but it still is like alive and well in the culture. And you go into any bookstore and you can find a whole section on, you know, how to interpret your dreams. Mm. And it's actually fun to do. You can, you know, I'll ask a student, well, what'd you dream about last night? And they'll say, oh, well, there was a a dog, you know, they'll, they'll throw out some places or some things. And then you open this book and it says, oh, well, if there was a dog in your dream, well, that means, you know, you hate yeah, your yeah, father. Yeah or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, they, again, they, they have to understand that. And then it, it evolves, you know, further into the humanistic perspective. And then today, obviously, the main, one of the main um, ways that we understand behavior and mental processes is biological, but also cognition. Cognition is huge. Um, and understanding the link between how we think and how we feel and how our, um, you know, our thinking processes can can affect us psychologically, um, right. not only within ourselves, but also in our interactions with other people and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, they have to know the whole gamut and they have to be able to apply all these different theories, whether they are still relevant or not. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, that, yeah, I'm glad that they've kind of going through the full range. Like, I think psychology, you know, whilst there's a lot of uh, great psychologists in the past, I'm sure there's like so much going on in the modern day that needs yes. to change with the times type of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to go across the full range. Now, this might be a bit of a controversial question, but do you see any difference in the male-female makeup of your classes? Like, are there generally more females or girls in your class or uh, the women usually speaking more or, and, you know, cause I generally like it's a massive generalization here, but yes. guys aren't good or, you know, school boys aren't good with dealing with feelings type of thing. So uh, is that something that you generally see in your class? You know, I do, I do see that for sure, you know, and I, there, I think um, as much as we'd like to think we're like post-gender, <laughs> Yeah, you know, there is definitely there are courses that guys gravitate more towards and classes that women gravitate more towards. Um, And psychology is definitely one of them. 
many more uh, girls than boys enroll okay. in, in psychology classes for sure. Right. So like a 70-30 split or something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe th- or more. Okay. Okay. Well, Depending. okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I, and, I you know, and it'll that. be interesting to see if that is – is international. Um, I mean, that's mainly what I've seen in the U S um, and, and it seems um, to be getting even more so than less. Um, so I don't know if, if boys see it less of a, as a heart, you know, it's not a hard science. It's a social science. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if, if that's part of it um, or if maybe they think it's all about touchy feely and, and they don't really understand that it's not. <laughs> yes. um, so it's that, that would be an interesting um, research project to try to discover why, why girls are more apt to, to enroll it than boys. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's interesting. It, then you you look at the the famous psychologists that they're almost exclusively men. Yes, right, and I think know? it is dispelling the myth that it is like a touchy feely subject. That mm-hmm. it is like a science, and that it does have really a lot of real world applications. Particularly, like oh, when yes. I think of psychology, I think of behavioral economics and these kinds of things. Like mm-hmm. so many kids enrolling in college that will be part of your AP psychology course will be looking at doing economics at college, at the Ivy League, whatever it might be. And, you know, the, the psychology level understanding there is like a base, under, you know, you need to have that knowledge really to, to nail economics. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it, it's one of those things that I think a lot of students should, particularly the guys, should look at more seriously because I, there's a lot yes. of kids I know who have gone into economics in the Ivy or Stanford or whatever it might be. And, uh, yeah, it would serve them very, very well to spend a bit of time in a psychology course. Absolutely. I, actually, anybody pursuing any kind of business degree. Yes. Huge, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, in terms of the exam, let's get onto that a little bit. What is the format of the AP exam exactly for psychology? There are 100 multiple choice questions, and they give them 70 minutes to answer those. So it's about, I think that's 45 seconds. Something question. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a social studies teacher, not a math teacher. But yeah, I um, and then there are two free response questions. Um, one of the free response question is called a research design question. So it, it requires students to, um, to use the, their knowledge about the scientific method in, um, in terms of designing experiments and, mm-hmm. um, you know, identifying variables and determining statistical significance and that kind of thing. Um, and right. then the other, the other type of question is called a concept application question. And usually it provides, there's a scenario, some kind of like a make-believe scenario, like maybe a kid going to college to, to um, audition, to get into a music school, mm-hmm. you know, and then they throw a bunch of terms at you. And um, that generally are from a lot of the different areas in psychology, and they require you to apply those concepts to the scenario. Right. And so how do you help students prepare for the exam? Well, basically by practicing, you know, yeah. one of the units that I love, one of my favorites is uh, and I actually front load it, even though in the textbook, it's kind of about halfway through the textbook. Um, I front load it because it gives students a lot of knowledge about how we learn, mm-hmm. how we learn school stuff. You know, I mean, there's learning behavior and then there's like learning school. Yes. Um, and so there's a couple of concepts in that unit, which I really emphasize throughout the course. 
And one of the basic ideas, one of the basic concepts is called overlearning. And, and it's, it's an idea that we're all familiar with if, we, if we've ever tried to like learn how to play an instrument or do a dance routine or even, you know, dribble a basketball or mm-hmm. whatever kind of thing. We know that if we have a recital coming up that we have to learn our piece, right, mm-hmm. um, or our dance routine or whatever, and then we have to continue to practice it over and over and over again, even well after we feel like we've learned it. Yes. Right. That's what we do. And we also don't wait until the night before. Yeah. Good tactic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, here's a here's a very American centric example. I always tell the story, although maybe everybody in the world knows who Michael Jordan is. Although yes. I don't know these, I don't know about these youngsters. I don't know if they they um, know who. He I'm is. sure most do. Yes, we'll assume most <laughs> students do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Jordan, um, you know, probably one of the greatest basketball players of all time, was well known because he was also the hardest uh, worker. He was always the first one to practice and the last to leave. And did he ever stop practicing his shots or his, you know, his layup or his, his, you know, his dribbling, his jump shot, whatever? No, he continued to practice over and over and over again. So that concept, and then also this, this idea of the spacing effect, which is sort of the opposite of cramming. You don't wait till the night before you spread your learning out over a long period Mm. of time. And so that's what I try to drill into my students' heads to overlearn the concepts. And, um, and so I provide them with lots of opportunities to do that and to practice retrieving information. Because again, and this is something we learn too in psychology about how memories are built um, biologically. And I have a metaphor for that too. It only works if you know about snow, but anyway. <laughs> I, I know about snow. I'm from Australia, but I know about snow. <laughs> Have you ever walked out into the snow, uh, like a foot of snow to get some wood from a, a wood pile to throw in the fireplace? I've seen it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, that's a whole nother story that I that I tell. Um, well, it's interesting that like I, I think only a teacher of experience would come armed with a, a series <laughs> of metaphors, right? Because a lot of these, these concepts are you know, it's hard to really help students understand them. And so it requires like using an experience that they might be familiar with to explain the concept. Yes. And so like whether that be Michael Jordan or, you know, the foot of snow, these kinds of things. It's interesting that uh, you you must have like a whole bank of metaphors and different (laughs) ways and, and tools to help explain these concepts to students in a way that, you know, really sinks in, right? I try. I try. I I do like to have a lot of tools in my toolbox because, you know, what works for some kids doesn't necessarily work for yes. another. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so yeah. what would be some of your final tips for students if they were interested in, in AP psychology and were interested in kind of taking on the subject perhaps further along into uh, university at some stage? What kind of tips would you give for them and um, or heads ups would you give for them uh, if they were looking at AP psychology? Well, you know, I mean, I think with the kind of students at CGA, you know, it's not a problem Mm. because these kids are, you know, you, you have to be, they have to be very self-disciplined. They have to be intrinsically motivated and they have to be, here's another metaphor I give. (laughs) Um, I tell my students that they are the drivers in this class, right? They're the driver. 
I'm there to, you know, they have to know when to put on the brake and put on the gas and they need to know when to ask for directions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm there to kind of provide a map for them and to provide support and, you know, provide metaphors or whatever else and to provide the tools so that they can practice. But ultimately, they're in the driver's seat. And so, you know, maybe it's just the way that I teach the class, but they shouldn't expect that they're going to show up and a teacher's going to put information into their head. Yeah. Because that's not, it's not the way it works. It's sort of the other way around. Um, So they, they have to be very disciplined in that regard and, and to be good, really good um, self-directed learners, you know, and know when they don't know. Yes. Yeah. And, and do some (laughs) self-investigation, like whether it be the textbook or whatever it might be, they need to be able to investigate. Yeah. I've generally seen like, I know the CGA is a, is full of students from all around the world who fit that kind of self-directed learner. Yes. And and yes. I love how it's uh, ability, not age. Uh, right. Do you find that's like particularly still relevant, even in psychology where I guess maturity levels can have an impact as well? You know, I have had students, um, well, in the U.S. system, like ninth grade, so that's 14 years old, mm-hmm. um, who have knocked it out of the park, you know, and 18-year-olds who have struggled. So you know, I don't really think it, it is age. It's, it is more about those things we just talked about and their skills um, yeah. and their work ethic. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. part of it, you yeah. know. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like such an interesting course. It makes me want to be a part of it. I don't know if you're <laughs> Well, you can ret- join us anytime, Alex. Mature, mature age <laughs> students, but no, it sounds like a, a fascinating area of study and I, and I really hope students take up the opportunity to get involved in something like AP psychology, because I know as we've discussed, like it has so many areas of relevance. It's such an interesting topic. So yeah. I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, if students want to learn more about how to join the class. And you're going to start a new stream in September, I understand? Yes. Yes. Yep. Fantastic. So if students are yep. looking and we to enroll- have, I think we have three different streams this fall. Yes. So yeah. different time options. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. It, and, it's a fantastic and hopefully this podcast will encourage some boys to uh, overcome their any sort of trepidation they might have about joining psychology because yeah really well, um, you know if we've done anything and, and tried to dispel that myth that it is like a you know touchy-feely subject it really isn't right, it, it, it's right. in fact we never talk about our feelings really ever no <laughs> oh, there you go. we learn about we learn about emotion yes um for sure and I think kids probably do some self-reflection about their own emotions, you know, and, and kind of how, how and why they might sometimes get the better of them. But um, it's definitely we're not putting anybody on the couch and psychoanalyzing them either. Right, right. Well, that's, that's uh, I guess, reassuring for anyone who might have been sitting on the fence there. Um, but no, it's, it's a fantastic area of study. So if a student's interested, check the link in the show notes and uh, you might be able to join Audrey's fantastic AP psychology class in September. So thanks so much for joining us, Audrey. And I, I look Thank forward you, to uh, sharing the episode far and wide. You bet. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org. 